The French Revolution. In this episode, we look at the French Revolution of 1789. This was one of the two or three defining developments of our course, the other two being the Scientific Revolution of the 17th century and the Industrial Revolution of the 19th century. You need to get your centuries in order. Remember that the 18th century was the 1700s, the 19th century was the 1800s, and the 20th century was the 1900s. We live in the 2000s, which is the 21st century. The French Revolution of 1789 is the granddaddy of all real revolutions. Remember that the American Revolution does not count as a revolution. Before we consider its causes, let's look at its consequences, how it has shaped the world, and how it continues to shape the world. In our next podcast episode, we'll look at the causes of the French Revolution, but today we look at the consequences. As one recent Chinese leader put it, it is too early to assess the significance of the French Revolution. Among the consequences are the following. The bourgeoisie, or middle class, became the controlling party of government, displacing the aristocracy in France and in all of the many nations that copied the French and had their own revolutions. Second, it triggered a series of liberal revolutions, or middle-class revolutions. Third, in addition to liberalism, it triggered the most powerful and dangerous idea of our course, nationalism, an idea which is more threatening to the American experiment today than it has ever been before. Liberalism is the idea that the middle class should have the right to vote, own property, and have the freedom to invest their property in wealth-accumulating opportunities. It generally stresses small government in order to maximize the freedom of opportunity so prized by the middle class. Nationalism is the idea that the borders of the nation contain a sacred community of people who share the same language and culture and who should share the same government over which they ought to be in control. One question is, are liberalism and nationalism compatible? Well, the answer is technically yes, but in historical practice, no. Between 1789 and 1848, most nationalists were also liberals. They were liberals before they became nationalists, and they were nationalists because they were liberals. That is, they were members of the middle class who saw the creation of a nation-state as a way to win their freedom from kings and the church and achieve their liberal goals. The common people and the aristocracy tended to oppose revolution, at least most of the time. But in 1848, as we will see, a series of liberal revolutions occurred in the German states in Italy and in France, all of which spectacularly failed, frightening the middle class into abandoning the idea of revolution forever. Make no mistake about it. National revolutions were here to stay. They were not going to go away. But they would no longer be led by the small government liberals after 1848. Instead, the big government, undemocratic aristocrats, would become the new nationalists, and liberalism would become decoupled from nationalism. 
All nation-states that formed after 1848, including Germany, Italy, and Austria-Hungary, would be authoritarian governments controlled by aristocrats who favored war over democracy and that were cobbled together as a result of the idea of nationalism. In addition, the French Revolution never stopped being a revolution. The snowball became an avalanche of change. There were revolutions in Spain and Latin America in the 1820s, in France in 1830, and in Paris, Berlin, and Vienna in 1848. Later, there were movements of national unification in Germany and Italy that drew some of their inspiration from the French Revolution. In addition, In a sense, the ideas of socialism and communism also sprang from the French Revolution. In its more radical stages of the revolution, the masses attempted to rise to a controlling role in the French government. They never succeeded as dictators and monarchs overthrew the French Revolution starting in 1798, but writers sympathetic to their plight would sketch the outlines of the theories we call socialism and communism, which were not the same things. Finally, the new way of looking at the world known as Romanticism captured the imagination of the whole world in the 19th century. The idea that the world was mysterious and molded by great men rather than laws of nature and knowable with the human heart, not reason, would give us the poems and novels of Shelley, Byron, Walter Scott, Edgar Allan Poe, Harriet Beecher Stowe, and Alfred Lord Tennyson. It would give us leaders such as Abraham Lincoln and Andrew Jackson, and movements such as anti-slavery and the rights of women. In our next podcast episode, we will look at the causes of the French Revolution, Please refer to the blog post for this episode for the question that you must answer on this episode with a post of 50 to 75 words to the discussion board for this question. Until then.